This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We'll begin in 2 Timothy 2, and then we'll go to Deuteronomy 28. It's saying that I just want, I just want to recap some of the things that the Lord blesses each one of us with. He gives us the opportunity to repent, which is a blessing. That's a great blessing. He also gives us the opportunity to pray. He gives us an opportunity to give. He, he blesses us with the name of Jesus. But he also has a desire that every one of us comes under the blood of Jesus and lives under that blood. So we're going to begin here in 2 Timothy 2. Work our way through part of the Bible here this morning. I believe this last one's really going to help you, okay? 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. God's word stands. God is a never-changing God. It is a solid foundation, and it will always stand. He goes on to say, And having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. Now, when you've confessed Jesus as Lord of your life and asked Him to come in your God knows you, and He's very much aware of you. It says here, He knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ, everyone who confesses Jesus as Lord, let him depart from iniquity. Let him depart from wickedness. In other words, he's saying that I must come to a place where I align my will with his will. Verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor. And when he says if he cleanses anyone himself from the latter, he's talking about if anyone cleanses himself from dishonor. The way that takes place is when I ask Jesus to come into my heart, Jesus qualifies me, okay? God's not talking about that from a sense of people being perfect or without sin. God is saying that when we, when we begin to live under who Christ says we are, and we stay under the blood of Jesus, then our lives come to a life of honor. And, and note how he goes about the last part of this verse. He will be a vessel of honor, sanctified or set apart, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now God desires that for every one of us in here. He wants us to to be prepared for good works, but also for use to the master. He goes on to say, the way that begins to take place is flee, run from, shun, also youthful lust, and pursue, run after, aim at righteousness, aim at faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, through our our lives, we're, we're either moving towards something, That summons our interest or we're moving away from it. We are either chasing something or we're being chased. And that'll happen for every one of us. Let me ask you this morning right now, what are you chasing in life? Verse number 23. But avoid, don't get involved with foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Those who are in opposition to what? Not in opposition to us as a human being, but those who are in opposition to the Word of God. 
And it's interesting that he would say, correct those who are in opposition to the word of God. So if we're to be corrected when we're in opposition to the word of God, how well do I receive correction? A great reference of this is Hebrews 12 verse 11. It says, at the time, correction or discipline seems very hard. But in the end, it brings fruit. And so when we go through discipline and correction, it's not always fun, but it leads to some good things. Keep following here. If God would perhaps grant them repentance. So when we begin to correct people with the truth of the word of God, the design is for me and you to repent. Understand this, repentance is a good thing. That's not a bad thing. And what we mean here by repenting, to literally repent is to confess or acknowledge my sin in my life. So if we look at the first two things, he said, correct ones with the truth so that they will repent of the things they're doing wrong. And then look at the last part there, verse 25, it says, so that they may know the truth, so that we may live the truth. Now, why is the truth so important? Well, the truth gives me guidelines on what God expects of me, but also the truth is the only thing that sets me free. So the ultimate goal is I hear the truth, I, I repent from the things that I've gone uh, uh, wrong in, and then because I begin to live by the truth of the Word of God. Verse number 26. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare or the trap of the devil having been taken or held captive by him to do his will. So what he's talking to every one of us in this room, we go through this life and without Jesus, we have this, this thought that we're doing everything great, but before long in your life, you begin to recognize there's some things that aren't right in my life. There's got to be more to how I'm living. So literally because of being corrected, the word of God comes alive and it says that we may come to our senses. The only real way any of us ever live truly in life is through Jesus. And he says that if, if we don't, then we're going to be held captive by the devil. And if I'm held captive by the devil, he said, you're going to do his will. I don't want to do the will of the devil. I want the things of God to erupt in my life. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28. Now, as you're turning there, we've been in this passage a little bit, but Deuteronomy is highlighted by either the blessing or the curse. The first 14 verses talk about the blessing. Verse 15 through 63 or 6 uh, talks about the curse. Remember this in Proverbs 26 two. It says, a curse cannot come without a cause. A curse cannot come without a legal right. So anytime me and you are ever walking or living in some form of a curse in our life, it's because someone has opened the door to something that we shouldn't have. And so watch what he talks about here, starting in, in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, verse 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you, and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed. Because. Now there's a because factor. Now listen real close to this. Because you did not obey. You did not listen. You did not hear the voice of the Lord your God. To keep his commandments. His statutes which he commanded you. 
So when looking at this, if I don't hear the word of God, if I don't listen to the word of God, if I don't heed the word of God, then he says that these curses are going to pursue you, overtake you, and the ultimate thing with the curse is to destroy you. Even in this sense, you may know the word of God, but do you believe it? Many times with our lives right now, we doubt the word of God. And so he's warning us here of some things that are going to take place. Verse number 46. And they, the curses, shall come upon you for a sign and a wonder. Now the sign and the wonder that he's talking about isn't a good one. It's a sign of wonder of horror and it's a sign of wonder of terror. He's given us a strong, strong warning here. And look what he goes on to say. And on your descendants... Forever. Now what that is talking about here, every one of us in this room are always going to be attached to other people. And because of our choices to obey the word of God or not obey the word of God, something begins to happen to us. But the very things that happen to us, if we don't see victory, and that only comes from the Lord Jesus then these are handed down to our descendants, our offspring. Verse 47. Because, now listen real close to the because again. Because you did not serve the Lord. Note there that he didn't say because you don't love the Lord. See, there's a huge difference between loving God and serving God. I can say I love God. And I believe every one of us in this room would, would say I love God. But the question is. Do I serve him? Because you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. Now, I can serve God, but it won't be with gladness and, and joy of my heart. I can serve God and be bitter, can be mad, can be angry. How many of you, when you woke up this morning, did you get up and say, Woohoo, I get to go to church today. I get to go worship God. I believe there's some of you that do that. But there's others that say, oh, Lord, we got to get up and go do that again. Again, I can serve God, but I can serve God with gladness, and I can serve God with a heart that says, Father, I want to serve you. It's a delight in me to serve you. Now look how he ends this verse. For the abundance of everything. So when I serve God with the right heart, with the right motive, with the right attitude, he said there will be an abundance in everything. Every area of my life, I believe that. I believe that when we get to a place where we say, I want to serve God. Now, that doesn't mean we're without sin, okay? It just means a heart that is, is right with God. And one of the ways I stay right again is to confess my sin and live before him. Now, let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter 18. Genesis, chapter 18. And in this passage here in Genesis 18, the time of life that we read here is not a good time, okay? It's a bad time. It's a hard time. It's a difficult time. And it's a result of people's sin. And I believe opposition to the word of God. So in Genesis 18, we'll begin in verse 16. The subtitle there will say that Abraham interceded for Sodom. 
Remember the word intercede means to, to stand in the gap or to plead on behalf of someone else. So this shows me here, this man named Abraham, he begins to pray and he begins to plead on behalf of these people of Sodom. Let's begin in verse 16. Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom. Two things we got to get clear here starting this verse. The men that he was talking about with, they were angels, okay? That same chapter, verse number two, it clarifies that. The Bible's very clear that many of us have entertained angels and we were unaware of it. The reason they were looking toward Sodom is because these angels were sent on an assignment to destroy Sodom. Back to verse 16. And Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm I'm doing? Now, this is an interesting verse to me because this is Father God and his exact word said, Shall I hide from Abraham, a righteous man who's living on earth, what I'm about to do? And in reading that, it, it shows us here, God wants to partner with us. God wants us to plead together with him. Remember, that's Isaiah 43, 26. It says that we can contend together. So he said, I, I've got to show this guy what I'm going to do. Verse number uh, 18. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So he's saying here, Abraham has got a legacy here on earth. And he said, because he's got a legacy here on earth, and he's this righteous man, and his righteousness wasn't based on him. His righteousness was based on what God qualified him to be. But he said, i, I got to show him what's going to take place. Now, why did he say all this about them? Watch this in verse 19. For I have known him, I have known Abraham, in order that he may command his children and his household after him. He's saying here that this man named Abraham will not only command his children and his household, he will direct them. He will teach them. And what would he direct them and teach them with? Watch this. That they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and injustice, and the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now, one reveals what he truly believes By what he teaches his children and his household. And so God reassures right here. This man named Abraham. He's going to direct his children into the way of the kingdom of God. And because of that it said that God's going to bless him. God's going to go ahead and do the very things he said he would do for Abraham. Verse number 20. And the Lord said. Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. Now think about those words there. There was an outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah. And the outcry was great. Now here's the big question there. Who did the outcry come from? Now let's think back about some of our our major scripture references. In Revelations 12.10 it says, The accuser of the brethren which is the devil, goes before God day and night and accuses them. 
So I believe right here that the devil's outcry that went toward God is saying they are worthy of judgment. They are worthy of destruction. Why would he say that? Keep reading here in verse verse 20. And the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great because their sin is very grave. Their sin is fragrant. Their sin is wicked. And so right here, God himself begins to hear the outcries that Satan is bringing to him with what the people here on earth are doing. So what does God do? Verse 21. God said, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the outcry against it. So you know what God says? I'm going to go to the earth. And I'm going to check out and see for myself if the accusations the devil is bringing against them, if it is accurate and it is worthy of judgment. Remember this about God. God is fair. God is just. And God is a God of judgment. And so God goes down on the earth to check it out. Now look what he says at the end of verse 21. That the outcry against us has come to me, and if not, I will know. So you know what he's telling them right there? He's saying, if the outcry against them is not true, I'll know. And you know what I believe God was looking for? He was looking to see if the people of the earth had repented. The reason I believe this is because all of us have sinned. The question wasn't if they had sinned or not. The question was whether they repented. So God always gives sinners, me and you, an opportunity to repent. And remember, repenting means to confess my sin. Now this is where the story really begins to turn. Verse 22. Then the men, the angels, turned away from there and they went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. Now watch this. And Abraham came near, he drew near to God and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now this was a man of God who's right here on earth and he petitions God and he said, God, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Verse 22. Or verse 24. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? And so literally here, Abraham begins to plead with God. Would you destroy it with their 50 righteous? Verse 25. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the, the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Now think about this. This is a man here on earth, and he begins to petition God, and he says, far be it from you, Father God. In other words, I know your character. I know you wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. And in verse 25, he ends this this way and says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what's right? So he begins to petition God and he puts God in remembrance and he says, You're the God of all the earth. Won't you do what's right? Now here's an interesting thing in this passage. Nowhere did God get mad at Abraham for doing that. 
If we refer back to Isaiah 43, he says, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. I believe with all my heart that God always looks for men and women here on earth that will give him a legal right to move here on earth. That's what our prayers do. That's what we begin to ask God to move right here. And that's the petitioning to God. And he eats it up. He loves it. Verse 26. So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all this place for their sakes. Now listen to what he said, okay? If I can find 50, I'll spare the entire population. If I can just find 50, I'll do it. Verse 27. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. We're no different than him. And here this man of God, he said this from his heart. I've taken it upon myself to petition God. I believe that's God's desire for every one of us. I heard this just the other day, that there was a man of God who was a prophet, and the Lord spoke to his heart, and he said, if the saints, if the righteous in America would have prayed and sought me during what happened on 9-11, it would have never taken place. And he said, because he's given me and you legal right to pray here on the earth. And just as, as Abraham intervened on behalf here, this is the same thing that happens to us. So to paraphrase what begins to happen, Abraham becomes like an auctioneer. And he says, Father God, would you destroy it if there are 40? Would you destroy it if there was 30? If you found even 20. And each time he did it, God said, I wouldn't. If I find 20, I won't destroy it. Verse 32. Then Abraham said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. Now you can go back and you can study the wickedness in Sodom and Gomorrah. All the sin. America has nothing on Sodom and Gomorrah. And when I read this passage here, I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons that the Lord hadn't come back, not only in America, but around the world, is because there's still Christians that are praying. Me and you. What a, what a privilege. What an opportunity. How many have loved ones right now on this earth that you believe, just with your view of their lives, if Jesus came back right now, they would go to hell? Every one of us in here have, have wants. In 2 Peter, the Lord said, I desire that none perish. And so part of the reason this thing keeps going on is because he has people that he wants to save. He hears our prayer requests. And it's like, Father God, we petition you on behalf of them. Verse 33. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. And so as soon as the intercessor, which was Abraham, quit talking, then God left. Now, 
to give you the paraphrased edition of what, what took place. The angels go into Sodom and Gomorrah. And the sad thing is, he couldn't find ten. He found four. And those four, their relationship with God was very questionable. It was Abraham's nephew Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And God says to the angels, get those four out of here because I'm going to destroy it. God's judgment is just and God's judgment is pure. And again, even as we saw in the video to start, there will be a day that will come. That every one of us are going to be judged by the Most High, the great God. So in this situation, Lot and his wife and his two daughters leave. And they were told, whatever you do when you leave, don't look back. And the reason they were told don't look back wasn't because God didn't want them to see the destruction. To look back signified that they were so attached to this world that they looked back and was like, I don't want to leave my possessions. I don't want to leave the sin. And when you study the story, Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. See, I believe there's many that look back. We look back to the things of the world instead of looking to God and moving forward. But in this passage here, it shows me that me and you are granted a voice in the heavens. And what I choose to do with that is up to me. Now I want you to end here. I got two passages in Revelations 1 and then Revelations chapter 5. This is real interesting to me when I look at all this because God listened to Abraham, a righteous man. And he brought a man named Abraham who lived here on the earth into the equation. And he listened to the prayers of that righteous, that just man. And I believe to this day he still wants to do that with me and you. Revelations chapter 1. Begin with me in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Jesus was a faithful witness. Let me, let me give you the definition of that word witness there. One who testifies to the truth. One who has knowledge of a fact. And it's interesting that Jesus here was called the faithful witness. That word witness also there means a martyr. Now I'm not telling you here. That you may be martyred, you may die for being a witness for Jesus. But oftentimes in the Bible, men and women were martyred for their stand for Jesus. The original 12 disciples, their deaths were all brutal for the name of Jesus. So he describes Jesus here as the faithful witness. Keep reading, verse 5. The firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the, over the kings of the earth. That was Jesus. To him who loved us and he washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now when you talk about the blood of Jesus, do you receive the blood? Do you welcome the blood in your life? Understand this, that in the Old Testament, that in Exodus 12, 
when the, the Israelites were being taken out of Egypt, the Lord said, I will pass over your house if there's blood on the doorpost. Physical blood of a lamb. Me and you don't have physical blood. But I partake of the blood of Jesus when I, I re- reverence the blood and I say, Lord Jesus, today, right here by faith, I receive your blood in my life for the remission of my sin, to cleanse me, to mark me as an overcomer. Verse 6. And he has made us, he has made me and you, kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me tell you a little bit about what he just said. He's made us kings and priests. A king was to decree. A king is given authority to decree. He's told me and you, I've made you kings. I've given you the power and authority to decree here on earth. And then he said, I've made you a priest. The priests were the ones who would intercede or plead on behalf of the people And when the priest would bring the blood to offer the Lord at the sacrifice or the altar, they would walk into the Holy of Holies and they wouldn't have to say a word. All they would do was present the sacrifice, the blood. Right here in this passage, he said, I've made you. I've made you kings. I've given you the power and the authority to begin to do, to decree on this earth. And I've made you priests. And you know what he's saying? I give you the, the, the power and the authority to use the blood of Jesus. Ooh, I'm telling you guys, he's made us. He didn't say, I've made pastor. He didn't say, I've made Ben. He said, I've made us, the body of Christ. Believers, turn just a few pages to Revelations 5. Revelations chapter 5, and I'm going to start in verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll or the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Remember, Jesus is referenced as the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Each having a harp... And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Oh, happy day. Why do you say that? Now think about what he said. These four and 24 elders go before him. And they have these big bowls that are like incense. They come before God and those bowls are our prayers. And as God begins to smell our prayers, our prayers never go on deaf ears. God's heard your prayers and he keeps hearing your prayers. And he goes on to say this, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll of the book and to open its seals. What he's talking about there is open up even the prayer request. Open up the seals, the things that's been spoken over every one of us in this room. Remember, God's thoughts toward you are that of good, not evil. To give you a future. Keep reading. 
For you, Lord Jesus, were slain. And you have redeemed, you have purchased us to God by your blood. We were redeemed, we were purchased by the blood of Jesus. The greatest sacrifice that mankind could ever have. You know that in the heavens, God has a blood bank. He doesn't need need us to give blood. He needs us to receive the blood. And to say, Lord Jesus, I welcome your blood into my life. I welcome your blood into my home. That I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And he goes on to say this, watch. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You know what that means? Every person on the face of the earth can receive Jesus as Lord in that blood. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter all the sin you've committed. You're still in a position to receive his blood. And he ends in verse 10 and he says, And have made, and have made us, and has had made me and you, kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign over the earth, or we shall reign upon the earth. So you know what he said to me and you? I want you to reign upon this earth. I give you authority on this earth. The name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. But how well I use that or don't use that is up to me and you. And so when you begin to see all this, Jesus has diagrammed a lot of stuff for me and you. And he's purchased redemption and he's purchased blessing for every one of us. I like to say it this way with the blood of Jesus. We were bought with a price. And paid in full with one sacrifice. And with it came a warranty. That only Jesus could make. And the blood of Jesus will speak throughout eternity. For my life and your life. And so when you hear all this today. You think back to where we start. How well do you receive the truth? Do you oppose the truth? Do you oppose the word of God? Or do you choose to live by it in every venue of life? Do I live under a self-imposed curse because I don't have to? Do I allow the curse to keep going and keep going? But what would happen if I begin to obey the word of God? He told me what would happen. But even in another area today. Man, God is wanting us to, to intercede. He's wanting us to plead On behalf of our families, on behalf of our homes, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of this world. And you know what he's saying? I look to the Abrahams of this world to give me permission, to give me legal reason to move right here on earth. I believe many times in our life, if we would take time to get in the presence of God and just to listen, he'll tell us. Just as he showed Abraham things to come, I still believe he does that. But even in my own life, I begin to look and I think, I've got to take more time to get in the presence of the Lord. 
I believe he'll tip us off and he'll begin to say, I've given you authority to stand. I've given you authority to to move on the things of this earth as kings and priests. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.